Welcome back to Ground Guy Radio. This is your host, Mr. Southeast Iowa, Dave Johnson, and I've got a great episode for you today as we continue our coverage of the uh, the Republican head uh, primaries and the Democrat primaries. We have a Republican candidate with us today who's on the ballot in uh, June 7th, I believe. His name is Jeff Shipley. He's running for a House seat, a newly formed House seat. Welcome to the program, Jeff. Hey, Dave. Great to be with you this morning. So tell me a little bit about the House district that you, that you were in and how it's new now. Yeah, so right now I represent Davis, Van Buren, and most of Jefferson County um, in the current District 82. I'm running to be the Republican state representative for the new District 87, uh, which is Van Buren County, uh, most of Jefferson County, all of the city of Fairfield, and then it extends east over to Mount Pleasant and Salem. So that's a, that's kind of a new and interesting uh, district. Uh, so tell me about... Uh... Tell me a little bit about your your time as a as a state rep and what what's been important to you. Oh my goodness! Well, these last four years have been tremendous. Uh, serving the people of Iowa is a great honor, but honestly, I never thought it would be so challenging. So clearly, the biggest thing that defined our life over the last couple of years has been the COVID uh, pandemic, and I think that's where I have been able to um, get out of front on a lot of issues. So, I mean, we were talking against vaccine mandates in June of 2020. And I remember uh, my previous Democrat opponent trying to tell people that, oh, dem- vaccine mandates aren't, aren't going to be an issue. And then less than a year later, the federal government has all these crazy mandates. Uh, so last summer, we spent a lot of time protesting with nurses outside and doctors outside of hospitals. I've been very thankful to learn about uh, the civil rights laws and making sure, um, you know, people are protected in their exemptions. I'd say one of the proud, not well, most meaningful moments of my service has been almost a year ago, uh, being by Governor Reynolds' side a few minutes after midnight when she signed the law that ended mask mandates in school children. And I just remember the people of Iowa celebrating. I remember all the wonderful messages we got from teachers. I mean, it's literally a bill that the governor signed and it created smiles on children's faces. That's how powerful of an act it was. And I was a little bit sad. It took it took that long because it, it, it was towards the end of May. Um, I was on the Iowa House floor talking about that issue as early as February and, and before because the idea of making a child wear masks, you know, for eight hours a day or whatever, I think we're seeing now caused a lot of harm. And we really need to acknowledge um, of that and really make sure it never happens again. But so those have been some of the things have been really the highlights have been on the medical freedom front. Uh, the vaccine exemption bill. Um, again, we waited until the very last minute to protect employers' rights where um, I was on the House floor in April of 2021, again, just warning these vaccine mandates and saying we need to put a stop to this. Um, so that's a little bit of what I've been working on for you as your state representative. Uh, give our listeners uh, uh, the, the social media sites, maybe a website or any campaign. Yeah, that, sure. Sites that they can go to to follow you. So www.protectfreedom iowa.com and then uh, that's the new that's the new handle is we're shifting everything onto the protect freedom committee so protect freedom iowa.com right now our facebook handle is still facebook.com slash peace love iowa um you know before we thought we wanted to live in this peace and love environment that was before the democrats uh waged war on us and, and are trying to unleash holy hell on ourselves and our families so now we're really shifting to the protect freedom iowa committee uh, but yeah find us on facebook jeff shipley uh, jeff shipley on twitter and uh, we do a lot online, so please stay in touch with us that way. Well, well uh, you have been a champion for freedom. You were a champion for freedom when it wasn't popular. You were a champion for freedom now that it seems to be getting more popular. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of uh, freedom issues in 
in Iowa, in the states, in the in the country, and the the two parties seem to look at that very very differently. Uh, uh, so tell tell us why why you want to be on the side of freedom. Well, so I think freedom uh, for a lot of reasons. I think you know. Um, Oh, I can't remember the the Bible verse, but, you know, basically God meant us to live in liberty. And when we are free human beings and we have the freedom um, to, you know, pursue life's meaning and create and achieve our dreams and provide for our families. Freedom just provides the beauty of life that cannot happen under a more constrained system. So and freedom also leads to the most peaceful, harmonious interactions. And this is the big thing. There's a lot of complicated issues out there. Um, I mean, Roe versus Wade, we don't have to get into that in this podcast, but there's a lot of things that are, are tearing society apart and we need the freedom to agree to disagree because when you can agree to disagree, you can get along well with someone like, okay, um, maybe you're a kid and you don't want to wear a mask because of a medical or religious reason. So we'll agree to disagree and you cannot wear a mask and I'll wear a mask and we'll each live in freedom and we'll do the best we can. The problem is when, is when you say, no, you have to wear the mask and it's mandatory, you know, then it makes it really hard to get along with someone and it kind of makes life suck. Well, I have to agree with that. There's been a, a lot of government rules that made life suck for the last couple of years. Government and non-governmental. There's been a lot of actors complicit. I mean, anyway, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off, but even our local Fairfield Public Library Board has been an absolute disaster in handling this stuff. Well, let's talk about, uh, you brought up the Roe versus Wade, and, and I, I, I talked to some of, not this particular issue with uh, county attorney in Fairfield, but let's talk about, you know, protests, and a lot of protests maybe intend to be peaceful or start out being peaceful, and then sometimes they switch over to where they're not peaceful. And then let's talk particularly about, I mean, you have the right to protest and I, in the public square. I don't have any problem with that, but when you break into a Catholic mass, you steal oh, yeah. the Eucharist, you defame the, the church, or you go to a, a person's house, much less a judge's house. I mean, it is not legal to intimidate a judge or a juror or a county attorney or a witness. And I, I just do not, uh, I don't support any of that. What, what's your thoughts on those? So Dave, I would say the biggest, well, sorry, one of the biggest threats to freedom today is the woke mob. And these are our fellow human beings that maybe they didn't get enough love as children. Maybe they didn't get the right path in education. Uh, maybe someone broke their heart or maybe something really bad or sad happened to them. But there's this woke mob mentality that feels that they have the right to make other people suffer and feel the same pain that they do. So all these people who are advocating uh, that the killing of babies is like the most sacred thing or the most important thing to them. These are not these are not people who are really feeling great about life. I mean, there's a lot of sadness out there. So the way I see it is there's a lot of pain in broken people and they like to project that pain on others. Now, part of this is if you, you know, poverty is a generational problem. And this is the big thing with government is ever since Lyndon Johnson and the Great Society, the federal government, state governments have been spending billions and billions of dollars year after year after year for, you know, helping hand or poverty, welfare, all that stuff. We've gone on for decades and decades. The problem's getting worse. It's been generational. We've taught people how to abuse the system. We've taught people how to be dependent on the system. The system was designed to, to, to get that, to break up families, keep people dependent. So these are big, big problems. And once you're like a third generation, someone on this, and if you have nothing in life, like, anyway, I'm just trying to 
not condone, but understand the psychology of what would compel someone. Um, so it's absolutely absurd. Uh, violence must be denounced at all times. I'm a firm believer in property rights, obviously desecrating churches. Again, these people are sick. Well, there's a special law for that. The law actually uh, is it for protecting entrances to abortion clinics, but that also covers entrances into churches and stopping people from practicing their religion. That's another freedom that just seems to be under assault. Well, I, I say that the use of protesters, well, it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of freedoms that are under assault. Obviously, we need to protect everyone's freedom of speech. The interesting thing you brought up is this kind of concept of a blockade or like, okay, I'm not going to let someone pass the road. So when Trump got elected in uh, 2016 and a bunch of those idiots ran out across I-80, like that's to me basically an act of war. If you're trying to shut down a road, a highway, or God forbid, an interstate, you're going to get yourself killed, one, because you're an idiot, but also like, you know, there's never any kind of tolerance for that. Uh, if you want to peacefully demonstrate on sidewalks, um, on the abortion scenario, I mean, I do think the 40 days for life thing is very powerful that if people, you know, have to walk by people that are praying for them and offering to support their kid, it's going to make it very difficult to have the abortion procedure. Um, but I don't think, I, I think you do cross the line if you are blocking an entrance um, to a facility. And then, yeah, I mean, basically these people are knuckleheads. Um, it's this entitlement mindset. Uh, these people have no work ethic. They don't have anything for themselves. So they want to tear down others. That's the kind of psychological phenomenon. We have a lot of broken and deranged people, and they're being encouraged by the radical, woke, leftist media and their allies in public education. Let me uh, talk one more, I guess, national issue, because this is a really serious problem. I mean, with the supply chain problems that Correct. it seems like the government has absolutely no solutions for, and it doesn't seem necessary that it would stay like this for two years, but we got a baby formula shortage. Parents cannot get formula for their babies or babies are going to bed hungry. Is that happening in Iowa? And is there any response to it? Yes, uh, there are shortages everywhere. Baby formula is just the latest thing we've been hearing about. Obviously, you know, prices going up is a form of shortages too. So uh, you have, there's a lot of complicated problems um, just to pick one off. So again, a lot of people in America I think, oh, we're somehow beyond COVID. And this is a mentality I'm trying to really not encourage. I think COVID is likely to come back in probably a big way. And in many places, the world still is an issue. So in China right now, Shanghai had a very devastating lockdown. Um, thankfully, some videos were able to get out so the world could find out what was going on over there. But again, information to get out from communist China is very uh, tight. So God knows what's going on in Shanghai, but we do know that their port and their port system is, you know, a generation better than ours with their automation and their robots and stuff. But there was a gigantic backlog of ships all up and down the coast, and it's basically government imposed lunacy. So you have certain and really the government is the only institution that could ever get away with something where they take these policy actions. They say they're doing it in the name of health, but they're causing immense economic harm and really disrupting just the overall flow of life. So that's just one thing that's still been ongoing in China um, that affects these issues. I think the baby formula, I know there was a recall. I don't know all the details contributing to that one. I think the biggest thing economically is, is this inflation crunch. And I hate, I don't ever wanna be the bearer of bad news because being the bearer of bad news is awful for a politician, you, you'll get shot every time. But um, don't just count your blessings and, you know, 
inflation doesn't necessarily have a stop to it. Um, you know, we've in Iowa, we've just crested $4 a, a gas, uh, $4 a gallon gas. I know diesel is a, a good dollar higher than that. As those prices rise, it's going to affect the price of everything down the supply chain, food included. And so, you know, we all just kind of be thinking and saying our prayers and, and what's our life going to look like if gas gets to $7 a gallon? What's it going to look like if it gets to $9 a gallon or $12 well, a gallon? You, if you said gas was going to get to $7 a gallon, you'd have got kicked off of Facebook during the election. And that's that's been a real problem, I think, with the censorship and, the, you know, the, just the total lack of uh, even presenting an argument against what the... Well, the big is. thing is, is our opponents are dishonest. And I think what I've been trying to understand this whole energy economy and this whole climate change stuff, and it seems to be that there is a deliberate agenda that the idea is to make fossil fuels more expensive because that's the only thing that will lead to the adoption of these green new deal type technologies and these electric cars. And we see all these, you know, these charging stations being put in that nobody uses. Um, so I think there is, there is a segment of the country that when they see diesel going up and gas going up and people complaining, um, there is a segment of the country that's not sympathetic and that's by design. And even today I saw a local Fairfield, big liberal, is it go off gas prices too high? You need to get a more efficient car, you know, now, yeah, but, but instead get, of opening up the pipeline and exploring exploration and getting energy cheap. But and, you can't get cars if you wanted to buy. That's another have, huge problem. If you had the money to buy a brand new combine and you went to John Deere and you slapped the money down, says, I'll take a brand new combine. They'll say it'll be here in about four years. You know? Yeah. All oh, the lines are getting huge. But then the other big thing with inflation is so we printed all this money and a lot of Americans I'm concerned don't understand the Federal Reserve banking system and how all this money is loaned into existence. And it's kind of a big shell game by Wall Street bankers. I mean, even these carbon capture pipelines that they propose to come through. I mean, who's backing these things? They want to spend, you know, have you been following these carbon capture projects? No, it's just there's so much bad stuff going on. I can't keep up. Well, so the idea is. In the most charitable sense, the world is moving. Again, these international, these Davos people, these um, Europeans, God, God knows who these people are. I'm not friends with these people, but they exist. They're moving the global economy to what they want, this net zero, carbon neutral type system. And so they want the ethanol industry in Iowa sees that and they say, OK, we want to sell our products on this carbon, you know, carbon neutral system. So to make our product to make our products more marketable for the Green New Deal economy that Biden and AOC and their Wall Street friends are building, uh, we are going to spend several billion dollars to build a pipeline that will capture the carbon dioxide emissions of the ethanol plants, transport them underground to a storage facility in another state for permanent storage, uh, and then sometimes oh you can maybe get some dry ice or maybe. There's not there's very limited industrial applications for liquid carbon dioxide, which is designated as a hazardous material. But the big thing is, is they want to use eminent domain. So, you know, some people think that this is so important. It's so important for us to limit the carbon uh, dioxide emissions of our pet industry that we want to confiscate property from landowners. And here and that's the big thing is it really is theft. They're just taking they're taking their, your property from you, using it for their purposes, giving you a pittance. If they wanted to have a fair negotiating stance, they could pay you a ongoing royalty for the use of your property. That would be a legitimate 
a voluntary business transaction. They're not proposing that. They're saying the government's going to take your property away so the ethanol industry can adapt to the Green New Deal economy. That's the project uh, that Governor Branstad and my opponents support. Well, uh, another thing, uh, it's kind of a nationwide thing, but there's been some plane crashes into food processing. Oh, you heard about that. Some yeah. fires going yep. on. And, yep. and you're not hearing about this on the news, but that seems like, uh, it seems uh, incredibly coincidental that two planes would crash into food processing plants and then all these fires that go on. So it's very strange. There's a lot of strange things being reported. I don't know any of the details on those particular instances. I do remember during the, you know, over the last couple of years, we've been hearing a lot more of these cyber attacks and how those can disrupt. Um, so here in Iowa, the biggest thing we've been privy to is some of our food processing, making sure their cybersecurity can stay online because if they're shut down even for a day or two or God forbid a week or two, you know, I mean, we had to euthanize a lot of animals um, during the COVID pandemic because we didn't have processing space. And that is a sad thing that, we should never happen again. Yeah, you got people starving in the world and on yeah. one hand, and you're euthanizing cattle on the other hand because you can't process them. Well, now they're doing the whole coronavirus uh, charade to the chickens. So now they're euthanizing chickens for a potential avian flu exposure. Apparently, I don't know all the ins and outs, but I guess they're using this PCR test. And if they get a one of these chickens test positive for the avian flu, they'll put down the whole herd. And it's the federal government doing it. And the price of chicken breast uh, went up 100% in the last couple of months. Yeah, it's just, it just, you just get kicked in the teeth every time you turn around. Beautiful thing, though, the uh, Orchelins in Mount Pleasant, uh, they're selling chickens over there for, uh, I think, the end of the week or next couple of weeks, they said. I thought that was really well, great. Well, I think there's a time coming up shortly where they're going to pause to sell chickens. Who's that? Orchelins or someone else? Well, not Orchelins, but I just thought they were going to take a month break from selling. I talked to a local guy that was... Over the avian flu deal? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of concerns. Again, it's one of these things is how... I don't know. It's it's there's a lot of way, this whole microbiology trust the science stuff. I think you know the more we trust the science and the more they want to tell us that men can be women and men can get pregnant. And did, did you see the Calvin Klein ad that just came out? No, I don't watch any television. Uh, well, I, I saw it on the internet, unfortunately, and it was um, a pregnant man is what uh, is now selling Calvin Klein underwear. Well, uh, it seemed like a niche market. <laughs> Well, let's shift back to let's shift back to the state district here. Tell That's me why, why Mr. Southeast Iowa. That was good. Sorry. Okay. All right. Well, tell Go me ahead. about why you, are you the right guy for yeah. this district, and what are the what are the challenges that you see that are important? So that's a fantastic question, David. Thanks for getting us back on track. Um, so I'm, I'm the I'm the I'm the protect freedom candidate for Iowa House District 87. This is Jeff Shipley speaking. Uh, my opponent is another young guy, Representative Joe Mitchell. Uh, I got nothing against the guy. We've done a lot of great things in the Republican caucus together. Um, but when it comes to a lot of the key issues, like I said, I was really out front. Um, and I had nurses come to me and say, hey, I watched your video from the Capitol in June of 2020. You tried to warn us. You saw all of this coming. And I didn't listen to you then. Um, but now thank you for being here when I need your support uh, and legal advocacy to keep my job. So, you know, with the COVID thing, I think that's the biggest thing. I protected freedom before it was popular. You said it yourself. The most important issue facing Iowans, it's always going to be our public schools. Um, our public schools is the largest portion of the state's budget. Our public schools is the centerpiece of the community that people depend on the most and provides the most services. And to their credit, there are a lot of people in our community that are underserved. 
I, I get in a lot of trouble for saying this, but it's how I see it. There are a lot of kids that aren't getting the love they need at home for whatever reason. And the public school is able to hopefully fill in that gap, which is very sad that, you know, getting your love from the government versus a mother and father or family, grandma, whatever. Um, so the public schools is a lot of money. The average per pupil spending, and that's all tax dollars. So it's uh, if you take the total budget and divide it by the number of pupils, you'll get about $18,000 annually per pupil in each school district. Now, I, I understand you say that. I checked into it when I was in school, when I was uh, a standard bearer of schools, it was $2,000 per student total. Well, so that might have been just the state cost per pupil portion. So uh, there's several finance that you got well, this to, was also the 1980s correct so but but so you have your local property piece you have your local property tax piece and then that's a big chunk of the funding then they get income tax revenue and then they get a big uh, uh, state appropriation from the general fund and then we raise that every year in the state uh, supplemental aid and you saw it too you were there in the room in 2019 when i first took those votes against the school supplemental aid because i was very concerned about education issues and you saw how the liberals lost their mind because they couldn't even fathom that, oh, even right now, Governor Reynolds is doing such a great job addressing these problems. Uh, she's highlighting how the proficiency, how our students, when you just measure the performance, the, the numbers are, are, getting, are not going in the right direction. Um, the sad statistic that uh, we've heard about is less than 50% of Des Moines public school third graders can read at the benchmark proficiency. Now, Des Moines Public Schools was one of the absolute worst in how they traumatize and abuse their children through COVID. Um, so thankfully, not every school district is that bad. The school districts that kept the kids in the classroom, the school districts that let kids uh, show their face and smile at one another, those schools performed a lot better. But there's a lot of serious issues in public education, and there's a lot of taxpayer money tied into that. The biggest thing Biggest thing, and this is absolutely the number one reason why I'm running for office and what I want to work with you, uh, especially on, Dave, is gender identity in public schools. So the big thing we've been dealing with these last couple months is in the Linmar School District. They have a policy now where once a student is in seventh grade, the seventh grader would have priority over their gender plan, gender preferences. It would be solely up to the seventh grader, uh, their name, their pronoun, what locker room, what restroom, what restroom. Um, and make everyone has to agree that, okay, you're Stephanie now or whatever it is. So, and then the big thing is the school district would need permission from the kid prior to telling the parents. So it's a big bright red line being crossed of the school district concealing information from parents. What do you think about that? Well, it's a lot to take in. Uh, you know, as far as the I, I, the thing I really don't want them to talk about kids about sex when they're very young. You know what I mean? When I was in school, they didn't talk to us about sex at all until we were in seventh grade. And it was just basic stuff. Like there's going to be some hair growing in your armpits yeah. and you're going to start to smell different and just basic biology. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of sexual curriculum, but um, not to get, I want to stay on this because I graduated high school in 2006. That's not that long ago. And in my high school, I never learned anything about asexuality, transgender, any of this stuff. I'm better off not knowing that in a lot of ways, I think, in my opinion. So um, a lot of things are being taught now that just don't make sense. 
there has been a lot of concern on the sexualization of curriculum and uh, pornographic depictions and literature and very sexually explicit themes. Um, there's been these really weird books about teenage prostitution and teenage drug use that somehow teachers are insisting have value, even though they're fictionalized accounts. Um, but the big, I, I don't want to get too far off the gender identity topic, and I know it's uncomfortable for you, but um, parents must always be included in every decision. I was hoping you were going to say that it was crazy because the big thing is this mental illness discussion. And this all started on the women's athletes bill. So the one good thing um, that we, we did get done is we protected women's sports. And we did that by removing the liability protections on school districts that would allow a boy to compete with girls in sports. So basically they would open themselves up to lawsuits if um, you know a boy took away a scholarship or something. But um, the problem is if you're still teaching students that they can present and be whatever gender they want and that they have to be affirmed and supported in that choice. Um, then you're still creating a big, big problem. And this law is not going to hold. And you already have some school districts hinting that they're not going to obey by it. And you already have students staging walkouts because somehow these 14, 15, 16 year olds think that a confused young man has a legally entitled right to play track or volleyball against girls and they don't because he's a boy but the students don't understand that for some reason because they're being taught things that aren't true yeah there's there's sure been a lot of uh, crazy ideas put in their heads i would have to say things that you just uh, just a few years ago would just most people would just say it's just complete nonsense but now it's like religious doctrine well and even something like the american flag so I'm very, very concerned that uh, there is a group in Fairfield and they want to fly the pride flag on the flagpole in Fairfield for this next month. And no way we're ever going to let that happen. But the problem is, is the American flag is the symbol that includes everyone. Yeah, we are I would have thought that was the pride flag. Right. I'm, right. Well, because try that bull crap in Saudi Arabia and see how far you get. Right. Yeah. Right. So. America gives you the freedom to, to do that, to be yourself here. That American flag is inclusive. And if that American flag isn't inclusive enough, then learn a little bit about the world and how beautiful this country is. Well, if you were a slave in the 1800s and you saw a bunch of Union troops and you saw that American flag, that simply meant you were free. That's true. You know, so I think it should be their flag. It should be the gay's flag. It should be the... The Methodist flag should be the yeah. Jewish flag. Yeah. I mean, it should be everybody's flag. The Muslims can appreciate it. Uh, we have enjoyed so many blessings of liberty and peace and prosperity in America. I mean, America really is truly unique. And it goes back to the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. This is what we really need to uh, really instill in a young age is that there is a lot of beauty and wisdom in America's timeless traditions, especially that of liberty and freedom. Um but instead, in the Fairfield eighth grade, there they had a critical race theory text in violation of state law. So this is how impotent some of these state house Republicans are. Is we passed a law saying, "Hey, we don't want you teaching our kids that America is racist," because we know if they believe America is racist, they're going to be more likely to to say nasty things about cops. And we well, don't want that. We're talking to Jeff Shipley, who's a, a House rep, who's uh, running again for. In a, in a contested Republican primary on June 7th. Jeff, uh, 
uh, how do people get to the polls? How do they, how can they vote for you? How can they uh, look you up on again, one more time on the social media and stuff? Yeah. So uh, check in with your County uh, courthouse. Early voting starts on May 18th. Um, absentee ballot requests have been sent out to Republicans by the state party. Um, polling locations may have shifted a little bit um, with the new uh, maps. I know they did in, at least in Mount Pleasant, but um, we have that list of polling locations. We'll be going door to door to make sure you know exactly where to vote. Uh, send us a message on Facebook. Uh, my phone number is area code 319-432-3108. Uh, shoot me a text message and uh, definitely stay in touch. We'd love to earn your support. We'd love to have you be a part of the Protect Freedom Committee here in Southeast Iowa. Well, if you vote for Jeff Shipley, he'll he'll work hard for you. He'll be responsive to you. He'll give you time if you have a question to, to talk to him. Uh, been one of the hardest working guys up in, in Des Moines. Thank you for being on the program. we got one minute left. Is there any final message you want to put out there? Um, we just got to say our prayers. We're so fortunate. Um, I'm really afraid things might get a little bit worse before they get better. As people feel the financial squeeze of this Biden economy, um, just know that God loves you and there's never a shortage of resourcefulness. There's only, or there's only, there's never a shortage of resources. There's only a shortage of resourcefulness. So the more we can adapt and figure it out, the more powerful we're going to be food and energy, invest in food and energy. Well, the, uh, this has been round guy radio with news. You can use that won't get you the blues. Uh, thank you for being on the program, Jeff. Absolutely, Dave. Wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for being a patriot. Well, we, we want to talk to anybody that's running for office anywhere. We appreciate Jeff stopping by. Uh, we'd be happy if there's anybody else listening that's running for office. Get a hold of me and we'll put you on the air. Thank you very much for your time.